0: Thank you thank you hello <laughs> good to be together nothing beats tangibility uh, yeah it's been an interesting time though uh these last few weeks now we're here in level two and the rules are loosening up a bit and um it's been uh, a time which i think none of us probably have experienced anything like it before and uh, it's been a, a good time for, for me, I think, for me and Katie. We've been able to um, just have some nice quiet time before this um, big interruption comes along. Uh, <laughs> but it's also been a tough time for many people. Uh, it's, been, it's been a tough time where a lot of people, as you, you've seen in the news, people have, have lost jobs and have lost livelihoods. And uh, even there are you know, some people throughout lockdown over the last few weeks, have lost loved ones and have not been able to bid farewell, say goodbye to their loved ones at Tangi uh, properly. So it's been a pretty tough time as well over the last few weeks. But here we are. Level 2 rules are loosening up. Only one active case, I think, left of COVID-19 in New Zealand and and uh, at least eight days now. No new cases. It's pretty amazing. It feels like... Uh, things are returning back to normal. But then, also, things are not quite normal. And, you know, our borders are still closed, and when we are going out and about, we still need to be really careful for any possible undetected cases of COVID. So things are are not quite back to normal. It's like the battle is won, but we're not there yet. Can you see where I'm going with this? (laughs) It's a bit like the way that we think about the kingdom of God and our story in it. Uh, You might have heard about this idea of the now and the not yet. Uh, It's this idea that helps us to understand how God's kingdom, this future reality, uh, has broken into our present reality and into history. And last week, Johnny looked at this Old Testament story uh, and how the kingdom of God breaks in, especially in um, the book of uh, Exodus. The reality of this, uh, for the captive. Israelites. Um, The kingdom breaks in and frees them from slavery. And in the New Testament, which we're looking at today, Jesus builds on that Exodus story, builds on the Exodus event in the way that he brings this breakthrough of the kingdom into people's lives and establishes that foothold of the kingdom. And he does it through his death and resurrection, and he establishes the foothold of the kingdom in a really permanent way. So that's what we're focusing on today. And that's why this series is called Breakthrough. There's a great book um, by a vineyard uh, thinker called Derek Morphew called Breakthrough. And if you want to really try and get your head around it, you can go and read that book. It's it's very, um, uh, very challenging and, and very interesting. In the Gospels, Jesus is constantly talking about this kingdom of God. And just as importantly, he's showing us what the kingdom of God is. He's telling us and he's showing us. So he breaks through... Discrimination when he makes friends with women and outcasts, uh, when he eats with people that the society had condemned. He breaks through our physical limitations when he brings sight to the blind and when he heals people with disabilities. And his kingdom breaks through the curse of sin when he forgives. And in the parables, Jesus describes the kingdom of God as a, a mustard seed breaking through the earth. And at first it's this tiny, invisible thing beneath the soil, but it grows and it breaks through the soil and into the light and becomes one of the biggest plants in the garden. It's most significant in the Gospel of John, and we looked at this a couple of years ago, I'm not sure if you remember, the seven signs and wonders throughout the Gospel of John. Really important stuff. Jesus changes water into wine, he heals uh, an official's son, he heals a, a paralytic, he feeds 5,000 with just a few bits of bread and some fish. He walks on water, heals a blind man, and raises Lazarus from the dead. These are all these events of the kingdom breaking in. So wherever Jesus was going, the kingdom was there with him. And now we look back through the scripture of the Old Testament and at the law of the prophets, and you see that it's just flowing with this hope and expectation for the day of the Lord, for what is yet to come. And then in the New Testament, the Gospels tell us that the Lord has arrived. And like Johnny said last week, Jesus built on that Exodus event. But Jesus brought the kingdom of God into creation in this really unexpected and and really, really permanent way. It, It came through his incarnation, this fragile birth as one of us, and through his death and through his resurrection and many of his followers as we know were not expecting that kind of king they're not expecting that kind of kingdom and that's what we've been looking over the last few months is the unexpected kingdom the upside downness of it all but there he is on the cross jesus said it is finished and that Greek translation for the word finished there is uh, a word of completion and it's a word of ultimate destiny. He defeated death and rose again and he completed that work of salvation. And then we read that Jesus uh, left his disciples and he'll come again at the end of the age. It says that he moves away from them and he's taken up into the clouds. And that's a mystery for a whole other message, I think. And here we are now, 2020, living on what we call the other side of the resurrection. So Israel was looking forward with hopeful expectation for what was yet to come for the day of the Lord, and we are looking back at Jesus, but we're also looking forward to the return of the King. It's a dog whistle to any hobbit heads out there. <laughs> so when will that come? We don't know, but in the gospel of Luke, uh, the message, as the message interprets it, um, Jesus says to the Pharisees, I really like this message interpretation, he says, the kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on the calendar, nor when someone says, look here, and there it is, and why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. So this is where we live. We live in this tension of the time between uh, the end of the beginning and the beginning of the end. It's like this sort of cosmic liminal space. And it's the perfect time, I think, to be talking about this today, because it's 50 days since Easter, since the resurrection, and it's the the day of Pentecost. It's the day where we wear red. (laughs) Uh, In the first chapter of Acts, the risen Jesus says, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascended into heaven. And when the day of Pentecost came, the disciples in Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place together. And suddenly A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, and there were God-fearing Jews there from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound... They gathered around, this crowd gathered around. They came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And in Acts, it lists all these different tribes that are are there. And they're amazed and perplexed. And they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said that they've had too much wine. But as you know, Peter quickly rejects that, and he comes out and he says to the crowd, No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And it goes on from there. And at the end of that chapter, it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So there it is, teaching, fellowship, prayer, eating together, it's church. It's interesting that when we look back to the beginning of the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus is conceived and born by the power of the Holy Spirit, and what happens at the end, uh, what happens at the beginning of Acts, which we think was also written by Luke, the body of Christ, the Church, is born by the power of the Holy Spirit. A Very interesting parallel to pay attention to, at both moments of this future kingdom breaking into the present evil age. So the Church is born when the Holy Spirit. And the disciples are, are heard, right? They go outside and they meet the crowd and they share that good news. And by the end of um, that time, thousands of people have joined them. And that's what's really important is that's the same spirit that's with us today. There was a great little part in my theology book that I read this week, so I'll just read that to you now. The coming of the Spirit at Pentecost, recorded in Acts 2, provides an illuminating paradigm of the missionary work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the power of God to step over boundaries, to overcome separation and alienation. And at Pentecost, the coming of the Spirit brings about an unprecedented communication and new communion among people previously incapable of understanding each other. The Spirit breaks down the barriers that separate people. Communication among people of diverse languages and cultures becomes a reality. The Pentecost experience is an experience of new unity and mutual understanding in Christ in the midst of great diversity. So to be baptized into Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit is to become a member of a community in which real differences remain, but the differences are embraced and relativized by a deeper unity. There is no longer Jew or Greek, no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus, as it says in Galatians. I love that message of unity, and it's, um, I think, a really important thing for our time in the church. Um, something that I've really noticed is there's a lot of, there seems to be a lot of unity between the different churches now. And that's in the incredible work of the Spirit among us. So, as we read on through the book of Acts, amazing things were happening within this young church as it grew. And what catches my attention is that this was not from their own effort or from their own power, it was a gift. It was from this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had been given to them at Pentecost, so that even though the person Jesus had had left them, His kingdom power had uh, it remained through the Spirit. So His followers, we, could see more of that kingdom of God on earth. But you don't have to look far to see that persecution soon came to that young church, and um, in Acts and afterwards. And today the world doesn't seem any less violent or angry. And um, if you read the headlines, you see on the street that uh, the gap between rich and poor seems to just be getting bigger. So in other words, God's kingdom of peace and justice and unity, it can be glimpsed now among us. But it is yet to come in fullness. It's the now and the not yet. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a bit here. (laughs) so pentecost is this mysterious but really foundational moment for christians through um, it's especially when we're talking about the breaking in of the kingdom we might not see tongues of fire above our heads like in that story but when we encounter the holy spirit god gives us a taste of that future that we hope for we live in the expectation that by God's grace and authority, the kingdom will triumph over evil and injustice. We have that expectation because we know we're able to look back. And we, we know that Jesus has already triumphed over death. And we expect that peace is possible for everyone, that hatred and anger will be gone, and that disease and death don't have the last word. And that's not... Um, utopian it's it's not like it's not utopian for us to hope and pray for this it's not um an unrealistic thing because it's a promise that we see that god has made and god will bring it's not a weight that we have to carry either because it's not on our own effort or power we're just lucky to get to take part in the outpouring of the spirit to get a glimpse of this future breaking in and it happens when we wait in our prayer and in our expressions of worship and that's where we can find healing and renewal now I must admit that it's been a bit of a struggle sometimes for me believing about us and signs and wonders happening today as they did in Acts and I think that's why preparing this message was maybe the hardest one I've ever done and but I, I, I was um, flicking through a book on the history of the Vineyard Church, and I just opened up to a page which I found really helpful and really comforting. I read about how some of the Vineyard founders, Carol and John Wimber, um, for them it was also a struggle at first when they were seeing all these crazy things happening, and there were times um, there were times where where John uh, felt the Lord pushing him to preach on healing for months. Well, no healing was taking place. Nothing was happening. And people were starting to leave his church. But he heard God say, preach my word, not your experience. Which is really interesting. And then there were these other times that they were experiencing, where all this crazy stuff was happening in the church. And they needed to find good theology to understand what was going on. And that's why we talk about kingdom theology now. So yeah, I found it really helpful to read back on that. The Spirit fills us up so that we're energized to help bring love and justice in a world that ridicules hope and tries to sell us sentimentality. And this is what I love about this family. Uh, In the vineyard, I've found these values for kingdom expectation and for simplicity and for intimacy. I've found uh, people of the presence and I think that's what's made it so hard to um, think of this message this morning. I I don't have any great stories. I um, don't have anything, uh, any stories of healing or, or casting out of demons, <laughs> etc. But I certainly have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit here when we gather together. And describing it is sort of like describing falling in love. Uh, there aren't really the right words for it. Words will never quite do it. So that's um today's message. It's a little bit shorter because I think that today is more about experience than it is about teaching. I was planning to um st- stay at home because we're still, you know, a little nervous about um the virus going around, but uh so I was up late last night trying to get a video recording of this message uploaded and it wasn't working, and I just kept getting this thought that I should be coming in here this morning, that I needed to experience gathering together again. So it was only very, very late last night that I came to realize what this message is all about on Pentecost. (laughs) So here we are together. I love that we can wait on God without uh, needing to find the right formula or to, to drum up enough faith. God's presence is a free gift for us, just like it was for those disciples in that room at Pentecost. Creator, Savior, and Spirit in the kingdom of God. It's not a static truth or an idea to remember, it's this dynamic event. It's something that's still happening whether we see it or not. It's something also that can change us. Change is possible because the Holy Spirit is with us. It means we can naturally pray for healing and we might glimpse the supernatural. It also means that if we don't see healing, it's not because of our lack of faith and it's not because we might not be saying the right words and it's not because God doesn't want us to be healed. It's because there's a battle going on and because uh, that's between the present and the future and we wait in joyful expectation As we said in Mass when I was a kid, we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior. We wait in joyful expectation for all things to be put right. We have hope because we know that it's already been done in the resurrection. Isaiah had that vision where people will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. and nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And Isaiah made that prophecy about 400 years before Christ. He was there looking ahead with hope. And that's one of the many pictures of the kingdom of God that we can find in Scripture. It's um, something that we can be part of. It's what we can expect, even though we might, like Isaiah, might not be able to see very far beyond the horizon, if at all. And that's what this message is all about today, that the kingdom of God is among us. And that we can experience that. Why don't you come on up, Lord? Yeah. We can take part. It's it's really I'm really glad that I came in this morning. <laughs> we can take part in what God's doing. And I just really want to leave you with that thought that it's it's not through our own power, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that. If we try and bring peace and justice in the world through our own efforts, uh, we get tired and quickly get cynical and burnt out. And that's why when we gather together like this, we say, Holy Spirit, come. And that's why we wait on God. That's why we invite the Spirit to fill us up just like at Pentecost. We don't need the right religious practice. We don't need to force it. Uh, We don't need to work ourselves up into an emotion. We just get to worship to be together, to simply pray and to wait.